Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into this special edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast, the People Buy From People series. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And I have a dear friend. Um, full disclosure, we she's the one that taught me to voice text. So if you're friends of mine with me and you get voice text, this lady is the one that said, hey, you need to voice text. And then I actually got a phone that can voice text. She is the author of so many books, UMAP, her new book, Maximize 365. Go and find her on LinkedIn at Kristen A. Sherry, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, and then a little period, Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-Y. If you're not connected to her, if you're not following her, why? Why are you not doing this? She has so much stuff, but it is an honor to call her a friend. And she was one of the endorsers, beta readers of People Buy From People. Um, my goodness, I could go on for an hour talking about how great my friend Kristen Sherry is. But I want to bring her into this conversation. Kristen, how are you? Well, you have me giggling and blushing. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's the it's the opposite effect of what normally happens when people get near me. They get nauseous and and oh, other things. Stop. You know, that so. is not true. Well, you know, yeah. Uh, I mean, you've I'm actually great. You've Thank actually you. you and I have had coffee together. We've had dinner together, and it, and it's just. You know, you know how I am. It's you. what you see is what you get. And, and you're the same way. And that's why I, I dearly love our friendship. And I am so grateful that you did this. And I'm grateful that you were a part of People Buy From People. It doesn't happen. I've told people, it doesn't happen without your influence and your input. So thank you. I've said it to you privately and I'm saying it to you publicly. Thank you. For oh, the, the, I'm just so proud of you, Brian. I remember sitting in that rib joint eating ribs with you yeah. <laughs> and you talking about this book and and uh, we were talking about how you might might accomplish uh, writing it and I I thought well you know I know you're a real extrovert so your biggest challenge is probably going to be spending enough time alone <laughs> and then the pandemic hit so uh, God was listening. <laughs> he says, okay, we need this book, Brian. So I'm going to shut everything down and keep you at home. <laughs> yeah, now people are going to blame the pandemic on me. Thanks, Kristen. Yeah, they're going to blame me for the pandemic. It's like, yeah, this is the guy we need to go take out because he's caused all this. <laughs> no, you listen. I think it took, it took the pandemic for a lot of people to get a lot of things done. Yeah, no, no kidding. No, I remember that conversation vividly because what I remember was how much encouragement you gave me. And, and you were like, listen, it's really simple, but you have to get encouraged to do it. And, and I felt, and, and, and I was procrastinating a ton. And I was just, I wasn't, and the, the chapter I wanted to talk about with you is, is observant. Mm -hmm. I wasn't observing what I was feeling internally. I was letting all these other things push back what I was feeling inside and, and, and what needed to come out of me through this book. I was just pushing it back because 
I let procrastination get in the way. I was like, I don't feel like writing today. And you've written a ton of books. You know, those feelings that can creep in on you. Like, I don't feel like writing today. I'm not inspired today. Mm -hmm. I didn't observe. That was my mistake. I didn't observe what I was feeling inside. So that's a great place to start with you. Go ahead. Yeah, you got that. Go. That is such a great insight, Brian, because I think a lot of people don't observe inward or outward. And observation is so powerful because you, your thoughts become things. So you start thinking things and then you start having feelings that are stemming from those thoughts and then your actions uh, stem from the feelings. So for example, you might start to have feelings of self-doubt about something and then you start to feel anxiety and fear. And then you say, uh, I'm going to say no to that invitation to come and speak or to go to that networking event. And who knows what may have been there for you. It may have been the answer to a prayer. A person could have been there that could have advanced your project, but instead of observing and saying, okay, why does my body feel anxious right now? What is the thought I was just having before that? Because a lot of our thoughts are happening automatically yeah. in our subconscious without us really being aware of them. And let's come outward for a minute from that because people are so busy and rushing from here to there. I mean, things have slowed down a little bit uh, with most people working remotely right now, but in general, people are rushing from one thing to the next. Yeah. And so you're not noticing the small details. And I think that because so few people are observant when it comes, you might notice details in the, in the environment, but I mean, observant of people's body language, the word choice they use, the expressions on their face, um, people are largely used to people ignoring them, I think, and yeah. not paying because they ever, you come in with your own agenda. So if you're a salesperson, you have an agenda. How am I going to overcome objections? What are the thing? What are the pain points I'm going to reveal instead of just observing? What are the choices of words that this person says? And what does that tell me about their priorities? So does this person prioritize quality? Do they prioritize relationships? Do they fear being out of control? Do they prioritize having enthusiasm in their customers around their product? Like what are the things that you're observing that they say and then observing their body language? Because then it enables you to meet a person where they are and they feel seen and heard. And that's a common human need is for people to feel seen and heard. And by observing, you can make people feel that way. It's so powerful, and I feel underutilized. You know, you what, what you just said is is really important. And I'm thinking back to last last January, January 2020, before everything hit. It was late January, and I met you at a Starbucks in in, in the Charlotte area where you live. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I noticed, and you've been very transparent, walking people through your journey, in your transformation with your health, and your fitness, and everything. Um, that's the first thing that I noticed when I saw you, I'm like, you look different. And you began to tell me about your transformation and you were in the middle of it. And you, since then you've even, you've even gone through more transformation. 
And so that's the first thing that I noticed was the external transformation that was happening in Kristen. Why do you think people, though, let me go here for just a second. Why do you think people are not as good as see, at seeing internal transformation in people? Because the external is something that we can pick up on right away. And what did I tell you? I noticed, I said, I see a difference right here in you, right here in your cheeks, if you're watching on YouTube. And oh, you, really? Yeah, that was the first thing that I noticed when I, I saw you. I didn't remember you saying that. I don't yeah. have a good memory for those types yeah. of things. <laughs> yeah, it's right. It was right there. I saw it. I was like, oh, my goodness, Kristen. But why do you think we're, we are great at seeing external transformation in people, but not so good seeing internal transformation in people? Well, I think part of it is how our brain works. Our brain likes to classify and categorize. And so we will do that in an instant. Is this person someone I know? You know, just <laughs> by the familiarity of your face. Is this person someone I like? By the body language or the gestures or if they get too close to you or if they're distant from you or if they're very closed off or if they smile. Um, and does this person seem like someone I can trust? So we're trying to evaluate that no like, and trust factor with people very quickly. And even when we know people, we, we're, we're trying to put people in categories. And that's why we always want to know when you read something in the news, well, was it an old person or a young person? Was it a man or was it a woman? Or what race were they? Or where did they live? Like, we, we want those details because we want to put things in neat little boxes because our brain doesn't like uncertainty. And so we like the quick, expedient, clear, certain things. We gravitate towards those. That's just how our brain works. And so we make very quick judgments and assumptions about people out of that preference. And to reserve judgment, it takes time to be able to be curious, to ask questions, to get to know someone, to explore. Most people want the quick, the quick and easy. That's why people, that's why the weight loss pill industry and all of the diet industry uh, and makeup and Spanx, this, the, the woman who invented the yeah. Lycra that sucks yeah. all your fat in, it's a <laughs> she's a billionaire now because it's quicker to throw spanks on. Why didn't she do that for men? I would love to have that for for guys. I mean, good yeah. grief, you know the the man spanks. But yeah. but honestly, uh, we we laugh about it. But fast food is yeah. is a billion dollar industry. The processed foods that that you microwave, everyone wants quick and easy. It's way easier to microwave something to slap on spanks than to go running three days a week or well, whatever. Kristen, let me jump in. Easy. Yeah, let me jump in here. Think about your books. Think about all of your books that you've written. If mm -hmm. I want your content, I can go to Amazon. I can, if, if I have a Kindle or I have the Kindle app, I can go get your books immediately. They can come to me just that easily. Whereas 10 years ago, if I wanted a Kristen Sherry book, I would have had to gone to, to Books A Million or Barnes & Noble. Mm -hmm. I would have had to get a physical copy of it. Now- and drive there, yeah. <laughs> right, and drive there, yeah. Now, in your new book, Maximize 365, I can get you reading your own book. So now I can have your voice in my head. Mm -hmm. Literally at the- So I love what you said about how far we've come 
and how fast we want information, even about other people. We want mm -hmm. fast, easy, instant, quick information. I love how you said that. And I wanted to get a shameless plug in for your new book. <laughs> you are too kind. But that lacks nuance, right? And yeah. the thing that's so ironic about it is people are incredibly nuanced. We think everyone else is black and white, but we're very complicated. <laughs> you can't put me in a box. I'm very nuanced thinker, but no one else is, right? Oh, no. And, and, and knowing, you know, and, and I'll go back to the, 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 the way we like to consume information and things like that. And I remember you and I were texting with each other and you said, Hey, I like voice text. Shoot me a voice text. It helps me understand. And here's what I learned about that. And I, I want to share this publicly because I don't think I've, I've told you this. What I like about it is now I don't have to interpret what I mean in a text message. Yeah. You can hear my voice you, mm -hmm. and I can hear your voice. And you've sent me some texts that, that, some voice text that hearing your voice and saying it to me, it's like you were sitting right next to me or sitting mm -hmm. across the room from me. And I loved it. And there's no nuance there. I know what you mean. I can observe your tone of voice. Mm -hmm. I can observe your words and they're, as they're sinking in. And I love that. Let's take a quick break. I want to get, I want to talk to you about what you have observed from the first time you wrote your first book to writing Maximize 365, what you've mm -hmm. observed about yourself. My dear friend, Kristen Sherry, is with me on this special edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast, the People Buy From People series, back in just a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you, as a business owner, can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Kristen, take me back to your first book. And now you've written Maximize Three C. I think this is what book number ten with the with the with the you got. I have finished ten and I'm writing eleven. I'm on book eleven right now. Good grief! I, I, you're just you're a, a a machine. But but when you first started writing, you were not an author. You were you you did something else. What have you observed about yourself that has changed or or gotten different about yourself from book one? through Maximize 365? I love that question, Brian. No one has ever asked me that question. And there's so many things that I observed that have changed. Number one, I have a much thicker skin. 
the very first time someone ever said anything negative about my any of my books, it sent me into a tailspin. It ruined my entire day because it made me doubt what what I had written. It made me doubt my product. And now I've come to recognize, oh, they're not my target audience. So my thin skin has thickened up and I've come to understand that, and I've said this previously, but if you think of the best movie you've ever seen or the best play or the best song and you go look at the online reviews, there are one stars and lots of them and people saying this movie is so boring. I have no idea why it's considered classic and why people love it so much. So that's the first thing I've observed about myself. The second thing I've observed is the growth in the process. So I took a lot longer to write a book. I, I had a very haphazard process. I got lost in the manuscript and turned around on myself. I didn't know, did I already say this already somewhere else? And I'd have to use the control like the control F find feature on my computer to, to find keywords and say, oh no, I've typed two paragraphs and I already wrote about it 20 pages ago and I completely forgot. So I've learned a lot of more efficient ways. I've learned from other people. I've learned from research. I've learned from hard experiences. So I have grown as an author. I've observed that I'm a better writer because of my editors because they teach me and I am not defensive when they give me feedback or when I open a manuscript that's full of red pen everywhere. And as I started to write more, I thought, okay, I'm getting better at this. So there's going to be barely any markup on this. And sure enough, there was yeah. still a lot of markup. Well, I remember the email you sent me because you, you said, Brian, I'll beta read your book. But then I remember the email you sent me and said, look, I tell you this because I love you. And, and you, I mean, you, 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 it was in that, that's the way I took it. Like what I'm about to say, I'm saying it for your good. Don't be offended by it, but here's some things that you need to, to work on. Mm -hmm. That was so good for me because you knew me well enough to know that you had to frame, like we were talking about in the last segment, classifying, putting things in different places. You, the mm -hmm. way you knew me and our friendship, you, you said, okay, I, this is because I know you this way. I'm going to say this to you. I'm not trying to offend you, but you need to listen to me I'm trying to help you. Mm -hmm. And I, and when I open that, when I open that up, I open that, that PDF up, I knew exactly what you were saying. And I had those aha moments like, oh yeah, this is what Kristen was telling me. This was what, this was how I interpreted it because I knew where you were coming from. I knew that place that you were coming from as my friend. Mm -hmm. If you could go back in time and sit down and have a cup of coffee with Kristen as she was writing the first book, as you were writing your first book, what's some advice you'd give to yourself in that process? I would say don't edit as you write <laughs> because it took me four times as long to write my first book because I tried to edit it as I went instead of going back and doing an edit pass, an author edit at the end when the book was written. The second thing I would say is don't be afraid to share with people because I would talk about my book for a week or two and then stop. 
because I was nervous that I was annoying people, but I wrote the book to help people. So if I'm not telling people about it, it doesn't help people sitting, sitting there growing dust and not going out into the world. Um, I think those two things is remember why you wrote it and boldly share, but in ways that adds value to people, not just buy my book, buy my book, buy my book, but making sure that I'm sharing content and creating content out of it. And um, I always buy extra copies to, to send to people in need that can't afford to buy books. Yeah. Like if they're unemployed and they, they have other things that are a priority to spend money on, but really just not editing as you write, keep sharing and keep visibility on your book. And I'd say the third thing I would tell myself is you should be proud of this accomplishment and not focus on looking back and reading it and saying, oh, this book's really terrible or this could have been so much better. Always looking at the negative things about it and just sitting in that accomplishment and, and feeling good about having done it. Because I think I was really hard on myself with my first book. I would say those are the top three. I got to ask you something. Your kids are a big part of your, a huge part of your life. You mm -hmm. are, and I see pictures, you are so proud. One of your sons just cut an, an album as we record this. He cut, he went, well, cut an album. Listen, listen to my near 50 self talk here. You know, <laughs> he released an EP. <laughs> he released an EP. Thank you. Thank you for bringing me up to, with, with the lingo of the, of the kids. You, you have two young daughters, you have two older sons. Mm -hmm. What do you observe in your kids at these ages that helps you be a better writer and helps you speak to people of different ages? Because you, the reason I say this, your, kid, your, your, your daughters inspired your children's book series, and that was a little different for you. Mm -hmm. That was, you, you were writing to a, a whole different audience, and you had some great co-authors, some friends of ours that are great co-authors and illustrators. And then you have adult kids, your kid, our kids are the same age. Your, your mm -hmm. sons and, and my son are, are in this, that 20 same and age 24. My yeah, I've got a 20 and yeah, I'm still amazed you have a 24 year old son. I, you know, <laughs> but, but I have a, I have a soon to be 21 year old son. What do you observe in your kids that makes you a better writer in, in communicating with different audiences? I, you know, it's really interesting. I want to just put a little pivot on that too. And say one of the things I've learned is when I observe my kids not to extrapolate to what I think those observations mean, but to rather ask. So I've noticed that you've been withdrawing to your room a lot. Is everything okay? Not, well, uh, you don't like to spend time with us. I think sometimes when we observe the things our children do, we assume that means what it would mean if we did that based on how we're wired. So when I observe them, the first thing I do is not to put meaning without inquiring. I think that curiosity has really helped. But how it's helped me be a better writer in observing these little people is, first of all, I realize how different everyone is. And so I try not to use broad sweeping statements in my books and try to really reach the individual where they are. 
So for example, I don't say we all want this or we all feel this way. I, I realize that people are different than me. I used to do that all the time in my LinkedIn posts. I would say everyone wants this or everyone feels this way. And I've just noticed my kids all have very different personalities and it's helped me be a better parent by observing things. So paying attention uh, to, to changes in their behavior and then asking them how they're doing or if there's anything they want to talk about, it's really easy to be on your cell phone and not paying attention to the signs of your kids. But really, they've helped me be a better writer because I'm writing for kids now. And having four kids has been huge. So I read my books with my kids and I look at their reaction as a beta read to see what they like, what they don't like. And I've realized that sometimes some of my books will keep one child's attention and the other one is, is not particularly interested in reading it. And that's okay. So it doesn't hurt my feelings. And I don't like the child better that <laughs> is more interested yeah. in my work than the other. Hey, Kristen, I got to share this with you because, and I think I've told you this. My son came to me one day, my 20 year old came to me one day and he said, dad, I think I'm going to do a podcast. And I said, oh, great, man. That's, that's awesome. What can I do to help? He's like, well, you've already helped me. I said, I have. He said, yeah. He said, I'm going to do a podcast called The Unintentional Discourager. <laughs> That's so I, funny. I know my kid doesn't listen. He's listened to one podcast. He's listened to one of my podcasts. And, and my wife is like, listen, she told me, she said, when, you re when your Audible book comes out, she said, then I'll read it. She said, then, cause I can, you can read it to me. And, and but again, it's, you, you think that you're trying to write universally, but I love what you just said about writing specifically and not universally, because you're right. We all, everybody has, COVID has hit everybody differently. And that's mm -hmm. when, that's why, you know, when I have people I haven't had on for the first time, or I have people on for a second time, like yourself. Well, you've got three appearances, my dear. You've got oh three goodness. appearances. Yes. Episode Trifecta. four. And then we did one with the Avengers. With Lori, we had and Lila and and Lori and Blake and you and myself. And now this one. But again, you're exactly right. Experiences hit people differently. Mm -hmm. And I think you have just, you have to observe how these specific experiences hitting that person in the moment, like you were talking about with your kids, like they yeah. could read it one day and it's like, Oh yeah, this is really cool. And then the other one's like, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, as an example, I got an email. It was a sales email. Just a, I somehow ended up on someone's mailing list and they said, sorry about that. Oh, <laughs> I was like, who are you? But it was somewhere, somewhere along the lines of, 2020 has been just a terrible year and we all can't wait to kiss it goodbye. But you know, my husband travels 50% of the time. He's a yeah. consultant at Microsoft yeah. and I got to have a whole year with my husband at home. And that was absolutely precious. Now I don't say that with a lack of compassion that people, I'm not glad we had a pandemic because people lost family members and friends and that's oh, 100%. terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying there was blessings in the storm for me in having my husband home every day versus him being in 
Germany or the UK or wherever he goes all over the world. And that was wonderful for my children. And not only that, but it gave me the flexibility to write my children's book series because I wasn't traveling either. And I wasn't doing as many speaking events. Yeah. So I was able to bring this children's book series to the world to help little people build their confidence through self-awareness. What an amazing thing to be able to do. And the pandemic afforded me both of those things. So I read that and instantly think, I, I don't, it just, it goes across my grain for someone to say it was terrible and we can't wait for this to be over. And I felt like, wow, this person doesn't see the blessings in the storm. They're not really my type of people. And I didn't even want to read the rest of the email and I just deleted it. So I think no. sometimes when we are not nuanced and understanding, like you said, people experience things differently and approaching our customers that way yeah, and not making assumptions and observing where is this person? Where are they at right now? I think it builds stronger connection with, with other people. No, you're, you're hundred percent right. I, let's step aside, take a quick break. Cause I want to, I want to pull some more conversation out of that. Mm -hmm. I love what you said there. When we come back. I want to talk about the generational observations that we have. There's a question that when we come back from break, I'm going to ask you about the children's book with my dear friend, Kristen Sherry on this special edition of the intentional encourager podcast, the people buy from people series back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up, Kindle if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email. And I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. The, the part I want to ask you about with the children's books, do you ever think about the, those words sitting down one day in your favorite rocking chair, maybe where you're at now in your house, and reading those children's books to your grandchildren? Because you have adult <laughs> children. You have a 24 and a 20-year-old. And, and my wife and I have kind of, you know, we've kind of caught ourselves daydreaming a little bit because we know we, you know, our son's 20 and, and we, we feel like there's a good possibility in the next 10 years, we're going to be grandparents ourselves. 
mm-hmm. you know, because she was 30 and I was 28 when we had when we had Bryce. And and do you ever think about, man, what here in the next 10 years, I could be reading this children's book. I'm reading it to my daughters. I could be reading it to my grandchildren. I will tell you that futuristic is one of my top five strengths. So not only that, I picture myself way long dead and my great-grandchildren reading it to their children and saying, you know, this was your great, 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 you know, grandmother that wrote this book. I didn't pay attention to the greats to see if I got that one right. But my point is I'm very conscious of legacy and intentional about legacy. And I know that these books are timeless in what they talk about. And they will be read to children around the world when I am way, way long gone and in thrift stores and people finding them in attics of houses they bought. And that delights your me people, the thrift store people. That's why, see, that's why we get along so well. Cause I'm a, thr- I love thrift stores. Oh, I, I do too. Yes. Our, our people, they will read, they will, they, it'll be people buy from people will be there as well too. It'll be on the dollar bin and a, you know, the thrift store. Well, they're all in the dollar bin by that point at the thrift store. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the thought of not to be morbid, but from beyond the grave, my, my works speaking into a young child and them lighting up inside, realizing that self-observations, coming back to observations, like, I have gifts. I have things that are important to me. I have skills to offer the world. I have this personality that's unique and makes me special. And, and having that child see themselves a little more how God sees us, you know, um, as a a child that's loved versus looking at ourselves with, with shame or embarrassment or judgment. What an amazing thing from beyond the grave to be able to still touch lives. Woo. I just get so excited about that. Well, and, and, you know, again, it's the whole reason that I wrote people buy from people was I wanted my dad to continue to touch lives from Amazing. Grave. Yeah. And, and through the stories and through things that, that we shared and experiences that we shared, because to me, what I observed about myself was how powerful legacy was within me yes. and how much that I wanted to carry that legacy, sometimes to my own detriment. And you and I talked about that in a couple of conversations we have. It's like sometimes it's to your own detriment that you're carrying that. But you observe that if you're not the keeper of that flame, so to speak, you're afraid that flame will die out at some point. What do you what do you observe? Let's talk about Maximize 3. I want to talk about your book for just a second. I know. Well, I want to give you some feedback on your book first. Okay. Yes. Because we're talking about observing, and I'd like to observe something about your book. I don't think your book is just for salespeople. Even though it says people buy from people, I think what you have written are 10 principles for relationships. And those relationships apply to marriage. They apply to coworker relationships, to friendships. I think if people implemented these 10 principles 
there's 10 of them, if I recall. It's been a while since I read it, but. Well, you've kind of been busy, you know, you've kind of had your own <laughs> thing going on, you know. But I think if people read this book and consistently applied these 10 principles, they would find all of their relationships transformed. So you're, I think your book is far more than a sales well, and I wanted to do that because, and, and I have quoted what you said to me. You you said to me, and I think you might have said it on the, the Intentional Encourager podcast we did way back, episode four. We were talking about leaders, and I have quoted this so many times that, and I think it's one of the most brilliant things that I've I've heard. And you said this, you said, Brian, people don't leave companies, they leave leaders. And I wanted to write the book to, to help people understand how important connection is with everybody, not just with external customers, but with internal customers. And when, you, when I heard you say that, that to me, what I observed in me was, oh my gosh, that is one of the most powerful things that I've ever heard. And then I started going back into my own situations and going, that's 100% right. When I left this company, I didn't have a good leader. When I left this company, I didn't have a good leader. There have been a few times that I had really good leaders and I left for a great opportunity. But more times than not, and I didn't, Kristen, I didn't think about that. You helped me observe that. I didn't think about that until I, you said that and I go, oh my gosh, that's, that's 100% right. Why do you think it's hard for us to observe what's really going on inside of us? Let, let's shift to where to your area of expertise. Why do you think it's hard for us to observe what's really going on in our company around leaders and why we feel the way we do sometimes, either positively or negatively? I think observation is difficult for a number of reasons. Number one, we're not always objective. So especially when we're observing things about ourselves and even others, we're not always objective. We're always, it comes back to those assumptions again. In addition to not being objective, we have different lenses and filters. Everything we see and hear goes through a filter. Did you know that 70% of what you say to someone is changed in their brain? 70%. So those filters really cause some problems too. So I never not thought of that. We have filters. I never thought of that because again, we could say, um, you know, you, my wife could come to me, my wife, Tanya could come to me and say, Hey, take out the trash. And I could go, what's her problem? You know, what, what's gotten into her? And she could go, well, nothing. I, I'm fine. I just want you to take out the trash. <laughs> or I could go and I could say, hey, you know what? Um, why are you acting that way? And she'd be like, I wasn't mad until you said that. You know, the way I observe something. Or I could, it's like how people see collar. You know, I could, I could look at a collar, you know, when, and I'll say, Kristen, I'll share this with you. When, 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 when my, um, when my layout person was doing the cover, I even shared the cover with you and you said, here's something I observe. You caught something in the cover I didn't catch. And you said, you might want to try this. 
and add a collar. The hands, my, the hands. The hands. That's exactly right. And my wife observed the same thing. And she said, you need a pop of collar in there. And I chose Marshall Green. I wonder why, but you know, but no, I did that intentionally too, because my dad was a big Marshall fan and the green really stands out. And, but I'm not, I didn't observe what, what people around me observe. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see what other people could see. As we wrap up the conversation, why do knowing and doing the things that you have done, what's what is one thing that is the hardest thing for us to see about ourselves? Because you've been a leader, you have you've watched leaders, you you studied leaders in leadership, you've studied all different types of of, of characteristics in people. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing that's hardest to observe about ourselves? So there's this this psychological phenomenon called the fundamental attribution effect. And that is what causes the biggest problem. So we, it creates our blind spots. When we observe bad behavior in another person, they cut us off in traffic, they interrupt us, uh, whatever, whatever it is that they're doing, we say that person is rude. But when we cut someone off in traffic, we say, well, my mother's in the hospital and I, I'm just very upset and th- there's a reason. So we fundamentally attribute behavior in other people as a character issue in them. And in ourselves, we have a good reason for why we did something. And that's the way we protect ourselves, And that's how we get defensive when we're given feedback. And that's why we don't see our gaps because we see our bad behavior as isolated instances and in other people, a pattern. Yeah. What I wrote down was accusation versus justification. Mm -hmm. Because I I love what you said there, because if I cut somebody off in traffic, oh, my bad. Somebody cuts me off like jerk. Come on, you know, you're going to wreck me. Mm -hmm. You know, you're trying to kill me out here. And, And I just did the same thing five minutes ago. And my intent wasn't to kill anybody. Yeah, it's oops, just, it was just an honest mistake. I just yeah. didn't see you. The other yeah. person's terrible. Well, yeah, talk about observation. We, we weren't observing around us with what was going on, and we didn't observe the fact that we were merging over into a lane and a car's there next to us mm-hmm. that we didn't see. I, I love that. Kristen, will you give the folks a piece of intentional encouragement around observation, something that maybe you've observed that you want to share that's encouraging. I just want to give you the last couple minutes to mm-hmm. share with folks what, what's on your mind and what's on your heart around that. I would just say that make every effort to be present with people. Being present is difficult. There's a lot of competition for our time. And so being present is where you have a lot of blessings and people feel that you're prioritizing them. We take people for granted. I think sometimes I almost lost my dad a couple of weeks ago and thankfully he was saved by the emergency room doctors. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to call my dad more. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think the encouragement I would have is to, is to just do your best to be present with people and observe where they are and how they're feeling because ultimately, if people don't feel you're paying attention, they just 
they won't confide in you and they won't open up to you, whether it's your spouse or your children, they'll eventually give up trying because you're not listening anyway. Wow. Kristen, you are the absolute best. And I'll say this. When, when I was going through a low point in my career, in my life, almost four years ago, you observed someone like myself that you could help. And without you, your friendship, um, I, I can't tell you how much you have meant to my family and I. So from the bottom of my heart, publicly, thank you for being a part of this. This, this wouldn't have been, not only would it have not have happened without you, it wouldn't have been the same without you. So I thank think you, you have more than you blessed me in return. <laughs> many, many, many times. You are by no means indebted to me, Brian. <laughs> uh, well, listen, I, I again, I just thank you. Let folks know. I'd be remiss. Let folks know how they can find your your resources, connect with you. Um, so for resources, like the best place to go is YouTube because I'm walking through videos of my book, Maximize 365. So you can get all the entries and read them with me for free. So um, youtube.com slash C slash Kristen Sherry. And then you can catch me on LinkedIn or visit me at myumap.com. That is so awesome. You are the absolute best, my friend. And, and I'm grateful to you. Thank you so much for joining me again on this special edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast, the People Buy From People series. Thank you, Brian. And congratulations on passing 100 episodes. Thank you. I appreciate that. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.